Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. The following podcast may contain some strong language and adult themes. If you've got young children around, maybe save it until they've gone to bed. If you really don't like bad words, this pod probably isn't for you. Welcome to the Making Up the Numbers podcast. The Making Up the Numbers podcast is sponsored by Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalm, and the world's finest independent mountain bike magazine, Single Track. Previously on the Making Up the Numbers podcast. We did testing with the stem and we were literally just riding uh, one steep track. So um, at the time that stem was was pretty good. Like I didn't really notice a whole heap of difference. Um, But yeah, like that stem caused me a lot of grief. Caused me a lot of grief that year. (laughs) And like I was just like... I was crashing so much and I was always just like trying to figure out, figure out what was going on. We went to Fort William like a week or two later <laughs> and hoping I could race. Uh, my race bike got stolen in the van when we got there. And so we rebuilt up a practice bike. I went out and practiced, did two runs, flat landed the finish line jump, broke the same crank arm. And just, that was maybe the most mad I've ever been because my ankle was destroyed and I did the exact same thing, folded it back under the bike. So then I got into Fort William finals. I couldn't walk, but I could stand on the bike. So I'm like, let's give this a go and see how it goes. And then I had probably the biggest crash of my whole life where the thing exploded and I was flying through the air. And so that happened. Uh, went to Leo Gang the next weekend, still on an ankle that I couldn't walk on, got on the podium. And then I think we went to Andorra or something was the next race. And I, I got caught in the dust in practice, crossroad, hit a tree, and I blew out both my shoulders. So it was like, it was just this like comical, like string of events where I was like, what's it going to be this weekend? <laughs> like it was just one thing after the other. Yeah. yeah, I remember I did the first e-bike, e-cross country in Monsanto the year before, so I yeah. had a bit of a clue on what was going on, <laughs> and I spent the race battling with Floyd's dad, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, was, so I was like, um, yeah, okay, there's a bit of a t- difference in some of the uh, motors, and uh, actually Loic's dad had a huge crash because I was like cheering him on so much from behind and he went straight over a berm. Oh, but but Loic was like, yeah, you shouldn't be riding around behind my dad. Hello and welcome to season five, episode four of the pod, which also happens to be episode number 50 and in this episode we're going to be wrapping up the Valdisor World Cup 
and reflecting on the season so far. Then we'll be joined by Gracie Hemstreet, the Canadian sensation who's having a fantastic first season in Elite, before rounding out the show with a few predictions for Hardline and World Champs. But first, Pinkbike kindly shared a couple of episodes of the pod in their July roundup, so big thanks to Brian and Christy for that. But in the comments, I know, never read the pink bike comments but i did and mr chris J was asking who's the guy with the rich northern accent who's the guy who's been racing in portugal didn't have any questions about you emmy but just me and jack it seems um and it, <laughs> <laughs> but it made me think that the, the pod's become pretty well established now to the point that i don't i don't introduce myself anymore i don't introduce you guys we just get on with it but we've added a lot of listeners over the last year and maybe got a bit too comfortable so maybe we should intro ourselves for the new listeners who wants to go first i can go first i don't mind yeah yeah so my name is emmy is not actually my real name emily Siegenthaler is my real name yeah i'm from switzerland i'm getting 37 this year just frightening and i've been racing down and woke up for 15 years and i retired two years ago so yeah that's it how many world cup podiums was it uh george 14 yeah. 16 15 i can't remember you told me and i was like oh wow yeah maybe it was more than that i remember where it was in the you know it, there's an episode with emmy from probably about two years ago at the end of the season and in there we detailed it didn't we i remember that I'm 10, 16 because I was like, really? <laughs> you did good. You yeah. did good. I did. I did okay. Yeah, I did yeah. okay. And that was a lovely introduction, Jack. Um, okay, I haven't prepared anything, so I'm just going to speak. Um, <laughs> it's like my, a job interview. Yeah. Uh, my name is Jack Redding. Um, I've been racing World Cup downhill since 2010. I kind of fell into it. I'm an optometrist by trade. And while I was at university, I got quite good at mountain biking. So I had a bit of a crack at the World Cup stuff. Um, I am retiring from World Cup downhill at the end of this year. So I'm enjoying my uh, kind of road to retirement in this final World Cup season. Um, I own my own World Cup team. Um, my brand is called One Vision. We've been operating since 2015. Um, and when I do retire, the team will continue and I will move into more of a performance coach and team manager role um, because my other business is a coaching business for mountain biking called Gravity School, which is one of the main sponsors of the race team. And the way we work it is we bring in riders who do well on our Gravity School and they then um, represent the pro race team at World Cups and at Nationals. So yeah, that's I guess that's me in a nutshell, really. Best World Cup result? Uh, best World Cup result is 18th at Lenzerheide. Um, I've had a few top 10 qualies, but obviously the finals results are what really matters. I've won nationals in the UK, Portugal, Germany, um, Canada. So yeah, it's not been too bad, George. What was your best result, World Cup, Emmy? Third. Third? I qualified second a couple of times. It's all in the rain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, third was best, like three times third, I think, or four times third. Yeah, mm. excellent. And I'm George Thompson. I started racing, no, hang on a second, let me rephrase that. I started riding mountain bikes pre-suspension. I then took a 17-year break from exercise and came back to bikes in, in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now in my 10th season of racing downhill in the veterans category here in the UK. And I've never been on a podium, which probably won't surprise you if you... Uh, one day. Hey, one day, yeah. And Grant, I would I would have been on the... I mean, moving up into Grand Vets next year, and I would have been on the podium at the two nationals, two nice. of the three nationals I've raced so far this season. So, success is coming. 
It's, 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 it's coming, on the horizon. Who said success doesn't come with eight? <laughs> when there's only five riders in the category, I'm Get on the podium. <laughs> 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 on with the show then. So, Jack, round three of the World Cup, Valdisol. Tell us a bit about how it went for you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's always been one of my favourite tracks. For a long time, it was my favourite track. Um, and, and now I kind of, it's a close tie with Montserrat. Um, so got into it pretty easy at the start. Me and Dan were riding together, um, did three runs with him. And then by the end of the third run, I was like, right, I've had enough of that. Um, he was absolutely hauling. So I kind of, uh, wanted to do my fourth run on my own, do some sections and then was going to do a fifth run, uh, which would have been a full run. And on the fourth run, I just tweaked my shoulder. It was just a nothing crash on my left side and my handlebars must have snapped and it just pulled my bad shoulder forwards. And it just went proper tweaky. Um, and I just saw one of the physios who actually works for, for Gracie on Norco team. Um, and she had a look and basically I did a bit of an impingement in the ball socket joint and she ended up treating me throughout the weekend so that I could ride and taping it up because it was, it was playing up a bit. Um, so I actually stopped riding after the fourth run, partly because of what happened to Dan, which we're going to touch on in a minute. Yeah. And Saturday night, I didn't even, no, sorry, Thursday night after practice, I genuinely didn't even know if I was going to bother riding on Friday. Um, it rained. We then kind of got into things on Friday, the three practice runs, which went through shit, average, and then okay. And then my junior came down in his quali, um, and he came um, ninth again, something we're going to talk about. Did a really good time, and I looked at my mechanic, and I was like, well, he's not fucking beating me today. I'm not ready to have it yet. Um, and his quali run was 10 seconds faster than the practice time I'd just done. So I knew I, I knew I needed to level up, but I knew that anyway. Um, and I managed to have a good run in quali, came 52nd, beat Owen by one point. I think 1.8 will kill me if I've added too much on there. Um, so yeah, I was dead happy and just went and enjoyed finals and or, or old finals, the semi-final, whatever you want to call it. Um, didn't really have any aspirations of getting in the top 30. I looked at the time I would have needed to make up and thought, well, that's a bit much for this weekend. So I'm just going to kind of ride my bike and see where I end up. And I was 47th. I was happy with my run. Uh, conditions were all over the place. So tyre choice was was tricky. Um and yeah, so solid weekend for me on a personal level. Cool. And great result for um, your junior, Owen Rick, who you've just mentioned. He yeah. finished ninth. He, he must have been pleased with that. Yeah, absolutely. I got his quality wrong, actually. He was 11th in the quality, which it was nice to see him back that up after qualifying eighth in Leo Gang. Um, and we were far less excited this time. It was more just, right, yep, yeah, good. He was the top top ranked Brit, wasn't he? If you come out of Valdisol as the top ranked Brit, well, he, yeah, he is. He is now that even despite not qualifying in Lenzai, which was the first one when he was still kind of trying to figure stuff out, he's now the top ranked Brit, and he's he's consistent with two races now. He's been in there with all the factory team riders, so um, it, it's one of them. I, I said on the podcast, which his dad reminded me about the other day. I I said it end of last year that I'd signed the fastest second year, yeah, junior. And I think a lot of people probably heard me say it and thought, no. Well, I told you. Yeah, you can pick them. I'll give you that. You At can this pick stage them. in July, um, Owen is now the highest ranked British junior. So, um, And he's going to go from strength to strength. So, yeah, seeing him do that run um, in the race and uh, come ninth was was great. He felt like he had more in the tank. Um and we're just building nicely. The, yeah. the aim is to to see him on, at least see him on a podium before the end of the season, if if not potentially push for push for a win. So he's going from strength to strength. And uh, the nice thing is as well is his qualif his his race time 
which he did on the same day as our qualifying, would have put him 59th in elite. Wow. So he now knows going into 2024, he has the pace to qualify because he's just done it. So, so yeah, big shout out to Owen. He's been working hard and it's so nice to see it clicking and we'll keep, we'll keep grafting. Yeah. Bad news though for Dan. Yeah. Tell us what happened. Yeah, it's, it's shit. Um, it's ugh, giving me shivers thinking about it. He, uh, there was a horrible like gap line on a new section of track and you, you gapped into a hole and the hole like went up straight away on the way out and proper G out style. And it was his fourth run. No, sorry, his fifth run. He was doing a full run. He'd been riding so well in the morning, everybody being kind of coming up to me and saying he was, he was absolutely flying and was looking like one of the top riders. And I knew that cause I'd been following him and he'd been dropping me. So I knew he was going well. Um, and he, he just got booked out of this hole and ejected off the bike and just smashed into a tree. Um, and, uh, yeah, unfortunately, he's broke two vertebrae on his N. It was told three, but on his NHS follow-up when he got home, he's for sure two, possibly a third, and broke his wrist. But all of the fractures are stable, so there's no surgery needed, uh, which which is obviously a um, a good thing in the in the bad situation. And yeah, I mean, we, I've just told him to to take the time he needs to recover. I don't really want him to be trying to push back to come back for Andorra or the other two World Cups, which are in six, seven and eight weeks time, because it's just too, it's too soon with a major injury like that. I've already told him that from my side, I'd like to see him on the team again next year with him and Owen leading, yeah. leading the elite kind of push for our team when I step back from the World Cup. So his, his ride's secure if he wants it. And uh, we just need to see him make a full recovery because it's a serious injury and it needs to be taken seriously. So yeah. it's a real shame. He was just starting to click click again. and uh, But that's the nature of the sport. We know the risks. We know what we sign up for. Yeah. Well, get well soon, Dan. Yeah, for sure. Shit news to hear and uh, hope to see you back riding soon. So then you've been on from Valdisol to the Mega Avalanche. And you had, you had what can only be described as a huge year. It's been all over socials. To talk us through it. Yeah, I mean, the Mega Avalanche is the biggest event of the year for our main sponsor, SR Suntour. Shout out to them. We were with them all week and they look after us so well, me, the team and all the rest of the athletes. So it's like it's it's almost like a crankworks for enduro bikes. I was thinking about it last week. Yeah. But it's there's open practice. You can there's loads of different races. There's the chainless race, the pump track, the qualifying, and then there's the main mega and the e-bike stuff. So it's a great week. Um, you won the chainless, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I've been third, second, and now first. So I, d- I was only planning on doing a one run, but then they'd put like a street section in at the bottom, and we obviously hadn't practiced it. And I did my first time, and I was like, I I, be, I was really bad through the street, and Owen crashed, and he went again because he was desperate to beat me. And I was like, I kind of stood there wondering whether to go again. And then my legs were just like moving towards the chairlift. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Where are you going? And it was just like my inner com- competitiveness. I was sat in fourth by that point and he was going again. And I was like, he's going to beat me because that street section, I was so bad. So we kind of went up again and I went six seconds faster and I had a really nice run to be fair. And it's the closest event there to a downhill race. So we always quite enjoy that one. So it was nice to, uh, to do well at that. But yeah, anyway, so won my qualifying heat, uh, with a, a kind of top 10 time, um, with, with a good battle against some of the other lads, um, in my heat, um, front row for the mega. And then the snow conditions were just like, there's a lot of snow this year, same as 2021, but it was so warm. We were, I was shitting myself, like properly, properly kind of like scared at the top. And the only way I can really deal with that is kind of going into a bit, 
mean, kind of, kind of the zone I'm in before downhill, but a bit more intense. Like the only way I'm going to attack that glacier is if I've kind of switched everything else off. And all I'm thinking about is just attack. Don't let any of these guys get in front of you. Um, so they delayed the start. And by the time we went at about 20 past nine, the snow was quite soft. And it's one of them, you've just got to judge it as you get going. And I got going down the first straight and I was in the first pack and coming out the first corner, I was about sixth, sixth or seventh, but we're all together. And it, it was clearly obvious straight away, don't go in anyone else's rut. Like it was so soft, you could ride it well, but if you cross someone else's rut, you were probably going to like get a wobble on or whatever. Um, so I got first corner good, made, made a pass coming out the second corner and got myself into fifth. And then you go down the longest straight, which is what they use for the speed test. And the other guys were kind of slightly to my left. And I was like, well, I'm holding really good speed. I can see I'm catching them. I'm going to hold right because if I do that, I'm going to get a really nice line into the next two corners and a couple of little blind crests went over the first one, no bother. And then as I went up and over the second one, all of a sudden I just, they were just rock sinkholes in front of me where the snow had melted away and the glacier was the rocky glacier underneath was just exposed and I could see they were deep and I could see you you did not want to go in but this all happened George within like yeah a split, split second. second like and I just I don't even remember taking my foot out but you can see from the video I subconsciously dropped my right foot to try and steer away from this hole but straight away it's clear I'm not going to miss it. So I just have to like jump and you can see, I just get the bike in the air enough to miss it. It was just, you're going to crash, choose how. And I just blocked <laughs> and was like, I'm not going like, but obviously you're going about 50 mile an hour. So as soon as I jumped, you, you lose your contact with the snow. And when you go back in, it's just going to munch you. So it, yeah. it just chewed the front wheel in, spat me over the bars and the photo sequence shows I'm, I'm crashing for about hundred meters. Yeah. Um, I felt my back like crunch as I went over and yeah, panicked when I got up and, but thankfully I got up and could walk. And then I, I think initially my thought was like, right, you're all right, get your bike, go. And I picked my bike up and I bent my steerer tube. <laughs> like we've took the bike apart today and like bars and stem and frame are fine, but the actual steerer tube of the fork is bent like 20 degrees or whatever. Wow. So I'd picked it up and gone, well, that's that over. And then I realized GoPro had gone, goggle lens had gone. I was like in shock and I was like, what do I do? And then I was like, well, I've got no phone. Nobody here is going to help me. They're all racing. I've just got to get off this glacier. And I gathered myself and like, by this point, a few people had gone past, but we were that far in front. It was like taking ages for people to get down because they had shit snow conditions. And I ended up having this hilarious exchange with John O. Jones, who's a, like a great friend of mine. We've been friends for years. By the time he got to me, he'd battled through this shit snow. Yeah, he started at the back, didn't he? Or something. No, no, he was just behind me. It was, oh, was, was it? Row two. Or maybe it was Quali he started at the back. Yeah, yeah, that was it. But the thing is, even two rows behind us in snow like that, they're going to yeah. be 30, 40 riders further back and the snow they'd had was horrendous. So he'd obviously been working hard to get down this glacier. <laughs> By the time he got to me, he couldn't breathe. And I was, <laughs> I obviously had a rest because I'd just like, Charged down, had a crash, stood up. So I ended up walking off this glacier with my fucked bike faster than Jono could get off. <laughs> go on, go on, go on, lad, keep going. And he was like, I can't breathe. No, oh, this is so funny. So I just, yeah, got myself down and got out of there. And I saw my chiropractor yesterday. Long story short, I got very lucky. Um, yeah. And I'm starting to feel a bit more like myself again. But yeah, I don't think I'll ever do it again. Cause like we weren't told there were holes in the glacier. It was over a blind crest. There was nothing I could have done to avoid it. There were no warning poles or anything. And the reason I'm retiring from World Cups is because I want to minimize the risks in my life. And 
move into another discipline where there's arguably bigger risks because it's an unknown variable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'll leave well alone, George. <laughs> You've done all right at it though. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I got unlucky to find the uh, the hole, but I got lucky to not be more yeah. seriously injured. So, so Emmy, busy few weeks for you and the pivot team. Matt Walker won the EWS Valdifassa. Bernard won Crankworks. You were the course sweeper at is, is that the right word at, at Swiss National Champs? I think so. You you should tell me the English word for it. I mean, we, I think it's, really... it's not really opening rider. I'm just not. Opening I'm not really rider. sweeper though, because. Right. Oh, I had to like do a lot of things. Like I had to like get all the rocks outside the line because it's it's a national race. There's not a lot of marshals there and they don't really like, they're not really aware that boulders like that on the line is dangerous. Yeah. So <laughs> I was just like taking rocks off the line and stuff like that, like just before racing started. Yeah. Um. So I didn't actually have to do a full run, which I was really happy about because it's quite a long course and physical course. So I was just like, oh, I can just stop here and there. We don't have anything like that over here, do we, Jack? There's not like an opening rider type. No. 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 But is there is this UCI races that you do or no? Yeah, but I think they, they more, more usually have, like, they might send a rider down first to check that nothing's been come on track overnight, just a first rider, mm-hmm. and then a rider down at the end to check there's nobody still left on the track. I think a rule over here is that all the marshals have to be in line of sight of each other. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the rule, but it never happens. It does. I guess the rule for us as well. Like there's not, there's not enough marshals. So they don't see really the rocks and stuff. And especially in Switzerland, there's a lot of road crossings, like where right. people actually drive through the track. <laughs> so yeah, like it, the, the marshals stop the cars, obviously. But yeah. if you can have a rider coming down and say, okay, now in five minutes, this race is going to start. So let all the, um, all the cars through. And then once you get like word that the first rider is starting, then you just stop the cars. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's a little bit what I had to do, but I could do all the practice, which is fun. That's it's, cool. Um, dry and hot. And, and yeah, the, the team had an amazing run at, at Crankworx. I wasn't there for it. Because I had yep. to go back to work. Um, that was the last something I didn't say in my introduction. I worked as a teacher part time, so I had to do some of that. It was the last week before big summer vacation. But yeah, um, Jacob also won the dual slalom. Jacob Jules. Oh yeah, yeah. Forgot about so that. that yeah. was that was sick to see because he had a little bit of tough luck the past years, and also this season in Leogang he had like the worst weather ever for his race run, uh, yep. for his qualifying run. Sorry. And our junior Danger, his brother won the juniors as well. So that's a really, really good week for for the team, and also with yeah. Matt um, winning his first CWS. There's a long time coming for him, for yeah. sure. So yeah, Cam won Swiss champs fourth in a row. Right. So so that's what I was going to ask you. I was gonna, I was I never got to the actual question, did I? There, I started on something else. Oh yeah. How many times has Cam won it? So she's won it four, and you have won it seven. Is that right? Yeah, seven downhill, yeah. And one for four cross. One for four cross, my first ever and last race in that discipline. And I had two cross country in juniors as well. So is she hunting you down? Well, I told I told her. She's, just, she's hunting me down, but she's going to be, well, she has four now. She needs three more. It means she will be 36. Right. She wins every single one. So, yeah, she could do it. 
She could. But I don't know. She wasn't really keen about the idea <laughs> to continue for four more years. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it was cool because um, like there's a lot of friends that was also racing Swiss champs that I usually don't really get to have like a shot a, a shot at doing like yeah. a podium or something in walk-ups. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a, a friend of mine that I'm coaching. He's a little bit like my little brother, I would say. And he... He's been racing the European World Cup so far and he was like around 90th something and he's totally private, you know, he's has not much money and he's just like a really talented rider, but not really like having all the right stuff to get like up there. He qualified for a walker before, but it was only only once and he got second. Wow. So vice national champ. So is his name? Is it Junior Hernandez or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Junior Paros Hernandez. Yeah, yeah. So he he's uh he's got second. So well, everyone literally everyone yeah, literally everyone there was stoked for him because oh. he had lots of like injuries and stuff and yeah, a little tears when I saw him on the podium cuz obviously like I feel so someone who's been trying for so long even at yeah. national level, you know, it's a big achievement for some people. So yeah, it was, it was literally really happy about all this. Probably more than Cammy winning to be honest, but she knows that. <laughs> when I finally get on that podium, there will be a lot of tears. We'll have a big pie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Valdi Sol then, Emmy, let's start with Sasha Ernest. Her first World Cup and she wins junior by 12 seconds with a time that would have been good enough for fourth in elite quali who were on the track soon after the junior women. That's an incredible performance. She's the Kiwi national champion. Were you aware of her before Valdi Sol? Had you seen her ride? Of course, George. <laughs> I'm aware of every, every female rider that's like out there. No, um, actually, when I was in, in New Zealand, there was like national champs at Coronet Peak. Yeah. And I've heard of her and I've seen her Instagram and stuff because, of course, she like races same races as jenna and jenna's uh, sister as well and um i didn't realize she was really she's really tall like she knows like yeah. a little bit like same same body type as kami kind of like long legs yeah. and she, i was amazed like i know you know we all seen iris van leuven ride and she has like totally opposite side a more aggressive tiny like i was yeah. And and um and Sasha like makes everything looks easy. And even in Lenza Hard when before she had a crash, everybody was like, Who is this? And I was like, Yeah, like I I was Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. I mean, Jenna would tell you, if you come to European tracks, it's not always easy to adapt. No. But she made it look like easy, you know? So I wasn't surprised that she came back uh, in Val and actually won. But obviously the way she did it was was quite impressive because she's kept getting Lewis in practice. Jenna was helping me film and she was filming her full vlog and she was like getting all over the prison. We're like, ah, <laughs> she's going to crash again. But uh, no, she made two. So she had two solid runs and won by a lot, which is possible on this track. We all know because it's so technical, and it was like kind of a little bit wet as well. Yeah, 
she won qualifying by five seconds as well. So it was no fluke, the the win, you know. No, and she's been like beating everybody's maybe a bit more tight, like at home, but they've been they've been battling each other. And to be honest, like at national champs in their qualifying run, if I'm not mistaken, they didn't just blew it as well in eight times. Wow. But then Jess was like, oh no, that's not gonna happen yeah. for finals. But obviously, like and Jess has been podiuming, you know, so yeah. it's not a surprise for me. So I went and looked at her roots and rain. Um, big shout out to Seb Frost, by the way, who's battling cancer at the minute. So get well mm-hmm. soon, Seb. Um, yeah, I went and looked at her roots and rain and, and 26 races, she's won 19 of them. And they were all pretty decent level races like Crankworks and Nationals. So you can tell she's legit. Oh, yeah. And like also the way, like she looks so good on a bike. Yeah. And um, like she, she's when she talks to you, she seems like she just doesn't really care. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm just riding, whatever. Typical Kiwi, you know. So uh, <laughs> I think it's a good attitude going into juniors. Don't take yourself too seriously. And like yeah. I've seen it before. People like get really tense for races because they see the outcome and everything. And they're not like that at all. No. So Erice van Leuven was second with Lisa Bouladou in third. And Erice was actually, I think she was more thrilled for Sasha winning than I think Sasha was. Like you just said, she was just pretty chilled about it. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the key with spirit as well. They love yeah. when they come overseas. Sasha probably for the, her first international, like, or at least walk up race. Yeah. And have two Kiwis in the front. It's just, they're just really proud of it. And you could see Erice was like stoked. So yeah. yeah, it was cool to see. So in junior men, Christian Hauser had just gone fastest in sector one when he had a horrible crash in that open section just before the riders go back into the woods. Fastest qualifier Ryan Pinkerton crashed in sector two and lost at least four seconds, but still grabbed second, which meant Bodhi Kun took the win without winning a sector. But again, another consistent rider who's leading the overall now. Bodhi looks like a, a prospect, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. There's a few of those juniors that that really look like they're going to, you know, enter the elites next year and, and settle in well. So it's, yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned Ryan Pinkerton in the last episode, Jack, you must've been impressed with that run. Have you seen it? I haven't actually. Um, no, simply because, uh, when the juniors are, are doing their race, we're, we're doing our, our quality. It's just magic. It's, it's enough to get over and watch Owen. So I haven't, but I've heard about it. Yeah. So you know what it was like, like 10 years ago, people could crash and still get on podiums. But I think now in any category, if you have a big error, you're not going to get on the podium, but so to come back and claw it back and lose that amount of time and still get second. I mean, he would have won by quite a margin. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's got incredible roll pace. You can see that from from what he's up to in practice. And if he can uh, if he can add consistency to it and start to minimise the mistakes, then then yeah. Cool. So elite women, Cami won qualifying, but then had a big crash in practice on Saturday morning. Just how shaken up was she, Amy? Oh, I don't know if I can talk about <laughs> if I want to talk about it and have a big drama. <laughs> no, she was actually she's actually so pissed off. Um well she crashed like she broke a helmet so wow. she was just like yeah she was just like oh fuck i'm gonna have a concussion or what's going on like i'm gonna get a headache um nothing like that happened but um she had her wrist was for her yeah and um she was just like generally like soapy stuff so i just happened to have sent her a few pictures of the track and um there's it just had rain through the night so it was like kind of like patchy you know yeah. Some places are really wet. Some places were like not really wet. So I was just like center pitch. Oh yeah, look like the inside there is a bit wet or 
whatever. And then she just happened to change line in that really rooty um, right hand corner at the in the middle of the track after like the wall, the rock wall. Yeah. And so she switched from the inside, which she's usually doing, to the outside because it was dry on my advice and then crashed there. So she told me <laughs> she was like. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, like, obviously it was a nightmare. And then, yeah, just let her be and whatever. I'm just like, are you okay? She was like, I don't know. So it was literally like a big crash. It was not really like just because you've, so some people have seen Val de Sol, like it's really steep. So from there to the berm that's underneath, it's like almost vertical there. So you have a big drop on if you crash straight on your head. Yeah. But she got really, really lucky. So she felt fine. Like also, she wasn't sure to do summits. She was like, I might just push the gate. And then she felt fine while she was um, warming up. And then she decided to go and she got second. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. She said, she didn't really speak to me at all. She just like went and do you not have a lot of time? You have half an hour to the yeah. final. And then she got another solid rundown, which was not mistake free. You know, she did a mistake um, right after where she crashed. Like when you exit the section to go to that big step down, there's like where Gracie crashed actually in the race. Yeah. It's like that right-hander and she got a foot out there. So you lose a lot of like momentum going to a flat section, you know? Yeah. So only being two point something off the win with that mistake, I think is, is a decent run. So I think she was quite happy considering, but obviously... Yeah, she's still looking for that win, you know. So um, that was a frustrating weekend for sure, yeah. considering everything. But the outcome was good. Was she on spikes all week? Yeah, yeah. I know this. Actually. I interviewed her for Schwalbe after the race, and right. to be fair, I was as well. Cut spikes or full spikes? Full. She was full. on full all week. Yeah. So. Wow, you were on full spikes as well. Combination. I was dancing between fulls and cuts. What I did was. I was cuts and I was started on dries, then went to cuts and then full spikes when it rained the following morning, um, came back down to cuts for quali and then full spikes back on again because it rained overnight, did two practice runs on cuts and then it was drying up uh, on full, sorry. And then I went back to cuts for the semis and in hindsight, it was probably ready for dry tires by then in, in my opinion. But the thing is like, cuts or falls give you such confidence when it's the tracks like that like if you get on well with it and I know why Cam is doing it um, and it can work really well yeah I think she's she's done that in the past as well in dry conditions if I'm not mistaken like when it's really really uh, dusty yeah. and she I think she started on 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 what Magic Marys which is like a, a mixed type yeah. of tyre and she liked that it's just she wanted to try and then obviously when the forecast was coming in, she was like, oh yeah, I'm switching because I'm like getting used to them, which is a good thing because you know, okay, it's going to rain. So I'm I'm good with this style, whatever happened. And if I like them on the dry, I'm going to like it even more. If it rains. Um, and she had, she had won a lot of races in, on these tires. So she's yeah. always feels confident um, when she had them on. So I can see yeah. why. All my team, Schwalbe Dirty Dance, they just cuts off holes. That's, that's yeah. all most of them run. We, uh, when we took the dries off and put them on, we were all like, wow, we feel like we've got sandpaper on our tyres. Like, cause it was so loose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just biting into the ground that the dry tyre wasn't able to bite into as hard. So the second thing on Cami was following on from Eleonora Farina last season. I believe her and Monica have got an elite male rider on the team who's riding with them in practice. Is, is that correct? 
Well, yeah, but he broke himself in Valley Soul, so that's that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end of that, is it? What, um, tell us a bit about that. I mean, I, I can obviously see well, why, you, why you're doing it. He but... has multiple. Um, he has multiple roles in the team. Yeah. He's actually um, a former Walker rider right. from Switzerland, and he was racing a little bit before I started. And he was like qualified and everything. He was like a um, good rider, especially like technical rider. So they started to work together more for him being his her technical coach. Yeah. Um, like working on again on basic stuff because Cam is not a mountain biker, biker you know, f- since very long. Yeah. So um, working on like cornering technique and stuff like that, and maybe like really bike skill specific stuff like that you do. Jack as well as in your coaching school, um, stuff like that with him. But he's a s- suspension technician as well for DT Swiss. Right. So he works a little bit with um, Cam's mechanic as well for some like technical suspension specific stuff and also rides with her because they are kind of like the same speed now. He could be a little bit faster depending on the tracks, but some of them because he does know the tracks that well he was just riding behind her but he can also help taking that suspension because he's riding the track so it's like multiple yeah. roles it's not only someone that just rides to like help her game over jumps or whatever which he doesn't yeah. do um and pace wise okay yeah, that helps as well but has multiple aspects to that which could be helpful for everyone in the team not just her yeah cool um valley was second in quali but she didn't have Cecile or Cedric trackside, I understand. So she went on, on a track walk after quali, changed the lines up and it worked. She won semis and then won final, as you say, by 2.9. That's sign of a maturing rider, isn't it? Having the confidence to go and do that. Um, well, I think I think Bali is just like now not making mistakes anymore, which was, is the big, big difference to me. And lines, in my opinion, in Valisol, it doesn't really matter too much what line you do you just need to be confident and ride them fast and also try to minimize mistakes because it costs you so much energy and then you're just going to make more and she just she looked good in practice um to be honest i think cami looked faster in practice which is a little bit different than usual like usually the years before cam always kind of took some time to get up to speed and this year has been the opposite she's won if I'm not mistaken, every quality or maybe not in Leo Gang, but she was like very fast straight away. Yeah. And for Vali, a bit different. Like she took more time to like get up to speed, but then when she's there, she's just like peaking at the right time and especially not making mistakes. So I think she might really like that format a lot and yeah. it suits her like mental preparation better. So she can just like grow and stuff and she doesn't have the pressure to perform like in one run. She can like take confidence to run after run. But yeah, for sure, she's maturing and she we all know she's very talented on a bike and if she would start to make no mistakes, then it would be hard to beat her. And that's the case right now. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's she's been consistent so far. We'll see how it keeps going on. So Jess Blewett was gloveless and she was green until a little stall, um, but then she finished in third. Marine was fourth, just 0.2 back on Jess and Nina was fifth, again, just 0.2 back on Marine. Very tight for the amongst those three, but for the overall, is it a two horse race this season now? Is it Cami and Valley? Well, so far it seems, seems that way, but we forgot about someone for at least for worlds. Is Rachel? Yeah, yeah. I'm 
I'm, I'm, there's a few for Worlds, and we'll get onto that a bit later on. But I think, yeah, no, I for think the, for the overall, for now, it, it looks that way. But like you said, Jess had a mistake, and I think she was close in qualifying, uh, and in semis as well. And yeah. Marine, not forget, she's getting back to where she was. Um, she needs some more confidence. She's not really feeling like herself just yet, but she might come to that. And Nina obviously had a knee that's annoyed her and she's thinking world champs, I think, in her head right yeah. now. But when that's passed, she might like get up there with with both of them. So it will be interesting to see because world champs is such like in the middle of the season, how that impacts yeah. everything. But it's definitely um, two groups right now, but I think it would mix it up. Like it could mix it up at the end of the season for sure. Yeah, And the, I wanted to ask you about Lisa Bauman. A fellow Swiss rider, fifth in quali, seventh in semi, eighth in finals. She's having a great season. Yeah, she's a young rider. It comes from cross country originally and then enduro. Um, she still like has the cross country enduro body type. So she's struggling sometimes on the longer tracks, but yeah. she's very good at from the enduro side and cross country side as well on technical tracks, yeah. uh, less bike parky. So yeah, she did ninth in Valdisol last year. Yeah. So it's not surprise that she did well again this year, but fifth. Like yeah, it was it was impressive to see and and also her she's obviously on that team on Cecil's team. I don't know why, but people tend to like push, but then crash also a lot. So Lisa had a couple of crashes in the past and couldn't like qualify because of it. But yeah, now she's um, confirming that she's um, definitely number two Swiss rider and she's not that far off. So that's cool to see as well. Talking of crashes, let's move on to the men's race because there were some spectacular ones. Phil Atwell looked to be riding well, but then he went over the top of a berm. Bruni crashed into a tree in semis. Charlie Hatton was lucky not to break his leg with a with a nasty crash. But if there was an award, it would undoubtedly have gone to Joe Breeden, who blew his hands off the bars in quite possibly the worst place you'd ever want to blow your hands off the bars, coming off the ski jump at the end. He somehow saved it in the sense that he didn't die, but he did go over the top of the berm and crash out. Can you think of a worse place to lose your bars, Jack? Yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? It's, he did really well to not have a, a horrible accident. And yeah, I mean, if, if it had happened somewhere in the trees with obstacles everywhere, it would have probably been worse because he wouldn't have had the time to save it. And he did a, he did a great job of saving it. Um, you know, fair play to him. Um, I didn't realise what happened at first. I watched no, it. I did. What's mm. doing? And then it was only on social media later on that I, I saw what had happened and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I was just thinking about what you were saying about the crashes. Like we were watching semis, and like I was down the bottom, and there was more crashes than usual. And like it has to be the format, like because when you think about it, there's off the top of my head, there's four groups of riders up there for the semi final. There's the the group that I was in in Val which is going to be a very small group, maybe only one to five riders who are at peace with the fact they're probably not going to be top thirty. And they're yeah. going to roll down, do their run, be happy with their time, job done. You've then got a very dangerous group of riders where they're probably not going to get top 30, but they're going to fucking try. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going to be very, very erratic. You've then got a group that probably should make top 30 and can if they keep their heads. And then you've got the subgroup in there of the ones that do keep their heads <laughs> and the ones that don't. Then you've got the final group with your Lloyd Brunies, your Troy Brosnans, your Thibaut Deprellas, who 
all they have to do is stay on the bike and they're going to be top 30. And I think it has to just be the format causing this crazy area in the middle of like 30 to 40 riders who are all going, oh shit, I really want to do the next one. Yeah. And then kind of losing their cool a little bit. So we're seeing more crashes than we used to. And it might be entertaining, but I don't think it's a good thing because it's putting the riders at risk. Yeah. One of your guys, Emmy, had probably the best save I've ever seen, Jacob Dewitt. Have you talked to him about that? Yeah, yeah. Ask him if his ball, balls were still intact because <laughs> he's <laughs> bouncing the sea. No, um, is he's had some bad luck, man. Like already, like I was saying before, in Leo Gang, he drained and he was just like, they had that interruption. He was like third rider after the rain. And now again, he had like the worst condition ever in Valdezol for for Sammy. So it was like, yeah, for his final, sorry. So it was a bit annoying. He still got a like, decent result because he got 18th in Sammy. Wow. So it was like really, yeah. really good. Mm. And then he's riding, like he's taking some confidence, but obviously he was, um, so Bernard or these guys that started before had a big advantage comparison to like the mid-pack guys before it dried again. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of Jacob, like for <laughs> keeping it upright in this conditions twice. Yeah. And yeah, I don't even know how it did, but it came really hot in there and it was probably one of the most slippery part of the track was like really hard packed. But yeah, that was good to watch for sure. Yeah. So tell us about Bernard then. First two World Cups, probably not where he wants to be, but then he goes and wins Crankworks. Got a bit lucky with the weather in Val Sol, nearly won it. Was he pissed when Troy beat his time? Obviously, he's always pissed when he's getting beaten. <laughs> he wants to win everything. Um, no, would but you, like... Would you have wanted to win it with the asterisk always there, though? Oh, yeah, obviously. He, yeah. he just wouldn't care. I mean, he was probably unlucky a couple of times, like everyone else, you know? Yeah. Like in, in Leger, back in like a few years back when the Prella won, he was like best wet rider like he got 16th and everybody else got like smoked so he was just like he's always good when it's kind of like hard mixed like conditions but he got yeah. lucky there it was still wet you could see like his plane yeah. and stuff but obviously it was not as wet as for when jacob went and a stack and all these guys and yeah of course like when you see people then you start to believe in yourself you say oh maybe i'm gonna win it because you see that it's not improving but then the rain stopped and in Valisol it doesn't get too long until the track starts drying out again. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I think he can he can be pleased with his result. Obviously he always wants more, and that's what's make him like a great athlete. But um I think it's his best result so far and he, he needs to take that. So Bernard's in the hot seat with seven riders to go. Benoit and Danny have just pushed him really close. So you sense Bernard's time isn't gonna hold. Troy beats it and then Thibaut beats it. And we need to chat a bit about Thibaut Duprello because he won sector one. He takes his hands off the on the bridge to, to shake them out. Then he wins sector three and crosses the line with his eyes on stalks. We've got the Duprello of 21 back, haven't we? Yeah, we've got to give him a massive shout out. The most entertaining run of the weekend. Like we, <laughs> we were at the bottom on tent hooks. I, I said to my guys, I was like, he gone crash. Like <laughs> I'd seen Tebow listen shout out Tebow, like amazing performance. And I'd 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 been watching you in practice and there was just so much aggression. You can see he's so frustrated that he's not back to where he was. And um I think that run is exactly what he needed because I it, I reckon he'll relax now. And I, I did speak to him after the race. You could tell he was quite calm. He was like, Yeah, I feel I'm I'm pleased I was there and I it was almost like a weight off his shoulders. So 
I think the rest of his season is going to be quite interesting. Jackson was the only other rider to win a sector and he made a huge mistake out of the gate and then claimed sectors two, four and five. Jack, you picked it? I did. And we all weekend, I just said, I was like, he's going to win. Like, it was just like, he's like the Energizer bunny who's, who's just like got wild and like... Do you, are we in like an almost coming into like an... I was thinking about this today, like a new age of downhill in the sense that... The, there was a big change when G started, came in. Well, not, that was before my time kind of really, but when G brought strength, started training properly, yeah. and then that's been carried on with Gwynny. Yeah. And then it's gone on from Gwynny to Amory and Lowick, kind of. Yeah. Both strong, mm. solid. And you look around and there's a lot of riders like that now. You look at Matt Walker, people like that. Then you look at Jackson and Jordan, and they don't look like that. You know, they're still... 18. Will they go like that though? Because they see, I was watching Jackson's run and it looked like he was getting on lines that other people couldn't get on because he was just so light and just able to flick himself around. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. There's certainly going to be an element of that. And I was talking to Harry Malloy about it at the Nega and we were talking about Ronan Dunn and obviously shout out to Ronan who's also having an incredible season. It's nice to see him kind of stepping up and being consistent at that level. But Harry was saying like, Ronan's trail bike, it's like it's new. He doesn't use it because the, these guys, they ride downhill almost daily, all the time. And I remember when I first started and I remember you chat with like Joe Smith and I can't remember, you know, whoever else in the winter and they'd be, they'd be over it. You'd always hear by August, they'd be over it. There's none of that shit now. These no. guys are doing their hobby at the highest level and all they want to do is ride downhill. So then like Jordan Williams don't go into gym. Like, Apparently they're starting to introduce it into his program now, whatever the hell that means, but they just ride bikes and the skill level that these guys have got compared with those old fuckers and the rest of them, like it just kind of looks like it's going to be a little bit hard to compete with um, because they're just so comfortable on their bikes. And like you said, they're just able to ride lines and move around almost as if they're in like a, a different gravitational field or something. It's mad to watch trackside. It really is. So I've had a message from Steve, Jordan Williams' dad. And if you pick Jackson again, I don't think you two are going to be friends for much longer. <laughs> yeah, he told me to my face halfway through Jordan's run. <laughs> Jordan was down on the splits. He come over and bollocked me and then went back to getting stressed. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to be an interesting season and something I think will happen this year is I don't think the same person will win more than one World Cup. Right. I think we will have seven different, uh, eight different winners. So Jordan, one mistake, then crashed into the netting. I saw him at Clangochland last weekend and he got his GoPro caught in the netting. And uh, I think that was restricting him getting out. Was he but riding last weekend at Langolan? He did practice on his e-bike. His, his bikes weren't there. So he ah. did practice on his e-bike without a battery. I wonder why. Um, he but but he, did, he didn't race. Right. But he's, he's still pretty buzzing with the start to the season, you know. You've got to be. You've won, you won the, third, the opening World Cup, which was your first elite yeah. World Cup. Second then, back at the next one, was it? Was it a second? Yeah, exactly. Year? And then last weekend, he was third at the fourth split. So, he, like, he's right there and and that's mint. So, yeah. it's not going to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy. Like, it's elite no. level sport, the highest level. So, if it was easy, you wouldn't bother, would you? No. Finn Isles on the podium again. That's every round this season. Do you think he'll win one before the season's out? Yeah, he's, he's in my eight for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, th- I put money on him winning the overall. Do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's, he's, um, 
he's a contender for the overall as well, I think, because he's consistent yeah. just waiting for everything to align to yeah. get that win. But also because Loic, I think he's right. Loic is running better than usual beginning of the season. He's just didn't have that run for finals yet, but I think he's really on form. Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe he will get his seventh title. That would be that won't be a surprise. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Another podium for Loris after winning the semi again. Consistent rider who seems to to be taking advantage of the semi final format, but he'll be wanting more, won't he? I think he'll he'll be on your list of the eight winners, Jack. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. But I don't think he's going to win the next one. World champs? No, excluding world champs. I don't think Loris is going to win the next World Cup. I got a different different guy for that. Is that Andorra? Is that the next World Cup? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Are you going to tell us? Or are you... Yeah, Duprella's going to come out swinging. Home World Cup for Comensal. He's coming off the back of that last one. My money's on, okay. on for the next World Cup. <laughs> cool. And I, I must issue a, a massive apology to Loic Bruni. My predictions are, are a curse. <laughs> 16th in quali, 53rd in semi, 14th in finals. He just never seemed to get going, really, did he? No. I don't know. This is weird. Because in practice, it looks so good. Like, yeah. I was there, like, I, since the beginning of the season, he's never looked that good to me in practice. Like, even, like, sometimes in snowshoe, he was, like, struggling so hard to ride in practice, and then he just did so well in the race. And I don't know why, he just, like, I don't know, maybe you really cursing him, cursing him, George, <laughs> because, because he's he's just on form. Like, he just won French championships. That's not easy task. <laughs> and he looks so good there as well. So he, it's going to come for him for sure. So we're, we're running out of time because we're going to have Gracie waiting in a minute. But just two quick things I wanted to ask you about. Firstly, how did the riders get on with semi and final on, on a much more physical track? Were there any complaints about it? or I think I've said my feelings, haven't I? So go on, Emmy, what do you think? <laughs> um, well, I think this mixed emotion. People sometimes like it. And I don't think... Valisole was like people didn't say it was like so much worse than the other ones. It's more so maybe the focus side of things that sometimes a little bit hard, yeah. more than the physical. It's just yeah. like trying to like get into the zone for your run and get really focused, and then you do it, and then you have to go again. Yeah, right after. So that's some things like Cami said. She's like find it really hard to do because she find it kind of hard to get in that zone that she can perform that well. So now it's kind of normalizing. Oh yeah, we're just going to do race run. Yeah. So yeah, that's more so the problem. Um, physical ask, obviously it's, it's hard, yeah. but then you can also ride a little bit within your limit. And yeah. yeah. The only thing I'll add is um, the physical side of it didn't, didn't force me at all because like we trained for it. So that was just what it was. I was, I was fine physically, but because of the change in weather, and the way they cram everything into that that day where we have practice at the semis and finals, the track conditions had changed and were changing. So we only had time for two practice runs in the morning. And on that second practice run, I'd stopped in one spot to just look at some lines and start thinking about what am I doing about tyres going into the semis run. I was chatting with Laurie. I looked at my watch. I was like, shit, my run is in 56 minutes. I'm still on track. I need to go and see my mechanic, change wheels, decide what tires we're going to use, get back to the top, go through my process and be in the start gate. I, I genuinely wasn't ready. I'd, I'd done quali, looked at the time gap to 30th and was like, it's four seconds. If I have a good morning, I can do that. And yeah. I literally finished that second practice run and was like, no chance. Like, I just don't feel ready to put a run down. So, whereas if we'd had longer to practice and just the one race run, 
I would have felt way more prepared to put down my absolute best. So my semi-finals run wasn't my absolute best because it just wasn't time. I'll ask the second part after we've spoken with Gracie. But we'll be back with Gracie Hemstreet after these messages. Hi there, it's Jordan Williams from Specialised Gravity. We've just had a mega week ride from Spain and a top group was here. We had Charlie Atten and Joe Breeden, so we had we had some tough competition, but yeah, awesome tracks, awesome uplift. There was some amazing views and for sure the bike took a beating, so if you come along, make sure you bring your spares, but yeah, awesome week, awesome group of people. Andy's an amazing guy and all the other people that are there helping out just I couldn't ask much more really uh, good laugh and there's a pool there to jump in after a good day's riding it's pretty cold so good recovery and yeah there's some nice places to eat so get yourself along because it's, it's a good laugh and good fun cheers From the suspension experts at JTEC Suspension comes WPS, an all-new brand focused on making the very best suspension upgrades, parts, and tooling, all made in the UK. With a growing network of the very best suspension service centers in the UK and beyond, and drawing on years of experience, WPS is the best thing that ever happened to your suspension. To find out more, visit WPS-MTB.com. I am delighted to welcome to the podcast the 18-year-old, first-year elite, who's making huge waves in the elite women's category, Gracie Hemstreet. Hello. Hey. Nice to meet you. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Yeah, very well. Here in sunny, in a nice sunny evening in in England. It doesn't look quite so nice where you are there. Yeah, it's pretty sunny. Nice. Oh, it is actually nice. Good. Yeah. So, yeah. so tell us, tell us a bit about where in the world you are right now. Um. Yeah, I'm in Fernie, BC, right now. Um. We just got here like two minutes ago. Perfect <laughs> <laughs> timing. But um. Yeah, it's our nationals this weekend. So. Cool. And I believe you, you're setting up a new bike for Worlds. Is that a, a new new bike, as in a, a prototype, or is it a fresh version of of what you've been riding this season? Uh, it's a new new bike, so oh yeah, yeah it's fresh. So there's a new Norco downhill bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the engineers have been working on it for like two years now, I think. Right. And yeah, we're finally hopping on it. So. And does yeah, does it look different different to the one you've been riding? Vastly different. Yeah. Or? Yeah. Totally different. <laughs> yeah. Is it is it high pivot? Ah, so they're sticking mm-hmm. with that. All right, cool. So the first thing I need to ask you about, and uh, and uh, I've spent the best part of a decade trying to get the nickname G-Force established for myself, but but no one was having it. I can say in the DJ days. No, I couldn't even get it then. But no one was having it, and and I saw it on your helmet at Valdi Solo. I was like, no, she can't have yeah. it. I, I wanted that. <laughs> how did you? How did that nickname come about? Uh, sometime last year. I don't know. My name, my nickname was like G Hemi because my last name is Hemstreet. But then, yeah, I don't know. It just came about G Race. Oh, is yours? Yeah. Is yours G Race? Yeah, G Race. Yeah. I'm saved. I thought it was G Force. <laughs> Sorry, I'm <laughs> it. I can still be G Force. I can still be G Force. Yeah, you can. It's all yours. 
Uh, I'm gonna message Brayton. I reckon Brayton's the kind of person who could get that going for you, George. See you, Force. All right, Gracie. Um, so the good thing or the lovely thing about having young people on the podcast um, is that, well, obviously it's a first for you. So maybe there's a story that mm-hmm. no one's heard, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty cool to have you. Um, so you grew up in BC. And you got your first bike at the age of nine. Is that is that correct? Oh, mountain bike. I was riding at like three, but yeah, yeah around nine. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so your dad and also your granddad, that I see a lot at the races, like we're like having a big role at the Coast Gravity Park. Is that correct? Yeah, my dad and then the Coastal Crew Boys. And then, yeah, it all came together. <laughs> yeah. Did your dad set Coast Gravity Park up? Was he one of the people who set it up in the first place? Yeah, yeah, he was like the main builder. Well, there was a lot, a lot of people involved, but yeah, he was the main guy. And then like Curtis Robinson and Dylan Dunkerton, and yeah, yeah, lots more people. But Uh, when was that? How long? How long? Kind of? How old were you when that was happening? Uh, I was around eight when the building started happening, and then nine in 2014 it opened. On 2014, you were nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. Um, yes. Even your old was. Yeah, no, you want to talk about that. This is definitely the bad thing about you having young people on the show to so realize how old you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we talk about Coast Gravity Park. Um, how often do you go ride there? I think I know the answer to that because I see your amazing post about it, but I guess you go there pretty often, hey? Pretty much every day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to my backyard so might as well um tell us a bit about growing up there like around this type of like riding uh because obviously the west coast in canada has produced some incredible riders in the recent years like obviously um steve smith finage brown seminac mark wallace and of course jackson Golson. so telling us about growing up in that area yeah it was pretty amazing like i've yeah we've traveled all around the world but my favorite place is home because yeah, just all the riding is yeah, just amazing and all the people are awesome. So yeah, it was great. I looked up to pretty much everyone I lived around and like Curtis and Brandon obviously and Finn and yeah, it's just awesome to be able to ride with them and yeah. Who was the hero growing up? Yeah, who is who is your favorite rider? That's what I wanted to know. Brandon, definitely. <laughs> yeah, he's like my biggest idol. He's pretty sick. Cool. Cool. So you started um, racing 2015 at the kids race at Crankeros. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So was it like during during Crankeros Whistler, or is that? Yeah, yeah. It was a beeline race. It was like my oh, first yeah, beeline race. Yeah. <laughs> so how old were you there? Were you were 10, 10 years old. I think ten. Yeah, ten or eleven. Yeah. Is there like an like a age range you're allowed to compete there or is it like open for pretty much everyone that can go down beeline um oh my god there's like five-year-olds racing it <laughs> you can go like yeah you can be like so young to like as old as 15 us. i think yeah pretty much pretty oh, much cool. so yeah in the first in the first edition you, you participate you came six and then the following year you you won it is that so yeah yeah i think so <laughs> it's a long time ago but yeah yeah, I, I guess you're tense. So it's like a long time ago. But um, so did you when you did you remember that at all? Did you like go there and got six and you're like, oh, that's that's cool. But I want to win it next year. Or is there already were you already quite competitive back then? 
Oh, yeah. I've been competitive, like, my whole life. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, definitely. I was like, oh, man, I got to win next year. So I was just on my bike basically every day. <laughs> then just having fun. Ended up going well. Cool. So 2018, you started racing BC Cups. And I'm looking mm-hmm. at the results. And you won your first race, but you were the only rider in the 13 to 16 category. So I went and looked at how you would have done in the other categories. And 17 to 29, yeah, you'd have won that. 30 plus, <laughs> yeah, you'd have won that. And then there were the, some other categories, some UCI categories, 19 to 29 and 30 plus. Yeah, you'd have won both of those. In fact, you would have finished third in Elite. And I think you were 14 or 15 at the time. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I didn't actually know that. That's crazy. <laughs> so... Were you conscious of how well you were doing? Not really. I don't think so. I was just having fun. And yeah, there's no one in my category. So I was just kind of riding by myself. But yeah, it's fun. But that kind of makes it even more incredible because you've not got anyone to push you. So you're just going down, doing your thing. Yeah, totally. I was just, yeah, riding. <laughs> On that line of thought, George, I'd. I hope you've not written it into the podcast and I'm going to ruin a later question, but Grace, did you have any brothers or sisters or? Yeah, another brother and a sister. My brother, yeah, my brother rode a lot when he was younger and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. He rode at Whistler a lot and my dad would drive in there like all the time. And that's where the kind of the idea of Coast Gravity Park came about because they're like, oh man, we need something on the coast like this. So yeah. 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 So how old are they now? My brother's 25 and my sister's 21. Okay. And did your sister ride as well? No, no. Okay. So is any kind of riding you were doing was with the family was with your dad and your brother, I guess. So I, that, I guess that must have helped quite a bit when you were younger. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I just grew up with like all the coastal crew boys and everything. So yeah, they're practically family as well. So Can I just ask, like, I, I went and looked on the map to find out where Coast Gravity Bike Park was, because I knew it was, you know, it was on the West Coast. I knew it was near mm. Vancouver somewhere. And it, I was like, oh, I wonder how far it is from Whistler. And on the map, it didn't look that far. But then I did a like Google Maps from one to the other, and it was like nine hours, five minutes. But it did seem to route all the way through Vancouver and stuff like that. So how how far apart are they actually? Is it commutable in a day? Do you go for a day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from like where I live, you have to take a ferry to the, the mainland. Like they're connected, but uh, it's pretty weird. Um, so yeah, you take a ferry and then it's like a three hour drive to Whistler. So it's not too bad. Right. So you could do that in a day and come back. Yeah, totally. We did that a lot. Okay. So sticking with, uh, moving through your kind of timeline and going to 2019, uh, you were national champ for the first time. Um, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that weekend. Cause it sounds like that was quite a close race with Emmy Lamb. George just put there that you were, you won by 0.17. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, when we're like racing BC Cups and everything, me and Emmy really battled it out for a while. But um, yeah, she's in Duro now. But yeah, no, it was cool. It was awesome to win that. But yeah, I didn't really get to race with the sleeve on at all because I was couldn't because I was so young. But um, yeah, no, it was awesome. Okay, cool. And then you also went to Crankworks. You did the mm-hmm. Gabazzo, finished fourth in the 13 to 18 category. I've, I've done that race myself a few times. How did you get on oh. racing for that long? <laughs> not not too well <laughs> i was basically i was sitting down for quite a lot of it because i was so dead <laughs> um yeah people who are good at that that's it's hardcore it's yeah, sure. yeah so fourth in the garbo second in the adh and first in the canadian open downhill that wasn't a bad week at all um happy with that i'm guessing yeah yeah i stopped <laughs> i was very happy 
Okay. And, and then obviously at the start of 2020, you'd headed out to uh, Rotorua for Crankworks and COVID hit. Um, how did you, at that age and keen to get on with your racing career, how did you cope with the lockdown? Um, yeah, so we were in Rotorua and then we flew out to like back home and then like the air, everything shut down like the day we got home. So it was pretty crazy. We just got home in time and then, yeah, I just kept riding and yeah just stuck at home at the yeah. bike park and yeah it wasn't too bad because where i live it's like pretty quiet and remote but yeah, yeah there's worse it's, places to be stuck i guess yeah definitely yeah okay so were you quite frustrated through that time and were you kind of desperate to get back to competing or, or were you kind of quite at peace with oh well i can stay home and ride and yeah i was just i was just kind of cruising i wasn't very like i wasn't even too competitive then but um yeah I was happy riding my bike. Were you still in school at this point? Yeah, yeah. So when did when did you actually finish school? Uh, last year at the in January. Last year in January, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I went online and then yeah, I graduated half a semester early so I could race World Cups. So that was helpful. Cool. You have a career path ahead of you, don't you? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So in 2021, when things got going again, first year junior, but you didn't have a factory deal at that time. And you only came over and raced Maribor, World Champs, um, Avaldasol and Lenzerheide. Um, what, what were your first impressions of the World, World Cup circuit? Yeah. First impression. Well, I was pretty terrified. <laughs> it's a big step going to Europe, but, um, yeah, Maribor, I, I like went full out in my quality and got first. And then I was like, Oh my God, what? Like I, I had no idea. And then. Yeah, I got, yeah, finals wasn't very good <laughs> because they all smoked me, like Phoebe and Izzy, Isabella. And, but yeah, no, it was amazing. I loved it. It was a good experience. What bike were you riding then? I was on a Common Soul Supreme. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can I just ask, what what terrified you kind of about it? Was it the tracks or was it just the whole aspect of, God, these are my heroes, kind of, oh my God, I'm <laughs> racing against. Which one of those two was it? Um, yeah, the tracks and then I don't just the whole scene, like seeing Miriam and everyone that I looked up to like my whole life is like, oh my God, I'm here. <laughs> it's <was> crazy. <laughs> and how does it feel now to be like in elite alongside them? It's still kind of, I don't know. It's hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So as you mentioned, you qualified first in Maribor, finished fifth. Did you, did you, have a crash or any issues in that run or was it like you just said did you just kind of get beat and you were like whoa okay yeah i got smoked fair and square <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so then on to worlds qualified second and finished mm-hmm. the bronze medal um was that was that like how how did you feel obviously that's a big achievement getting the getting the medal yeah it was it was awesome i definitely wasn't expecting it like that's like my favorite track i think but you know, I just loved it and yeah, I had fun and it ended up going well. So, yeah. Okay. And then after that, it was on to Leo Gang, where again, another good qualifier with third and you you did one better in the finals with the second. Did you return home like super happy after those races? What was the feeling when you, when you headed back at the end of the season? Yeah, totally. I was really happy. Just like completing three races and like doing fairly well. And then, yeah, I knew I was going to do second year junior and I was... That's very, I was motivated, that's for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. When you were racing as a privateer in 2021, did you kind of feel a lot of pressure to produce some results to try and get some sponsorship for the following year or or were you, was that not a factor? I don't really think I was thinking about it, to be honest. But um, yeah, opportunities came my way and yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, for sure. 
So Gracie, in 2022, um, you do, like you said, opportunity comes and then you stand with Norco. Mm -hmm. You actually became the first Canadian junior woman to win a World Cup. So you won your first World Cup in Lords. Um, I actually remember that because I obviously I was yeah. coaching Jenna Hastings. And I remember um, you were there in front of the barrier, kind of like doing your warm up and stuff. And it was Jenna's also first ever World Cup. So she yeah. was terrified, probably the same as you were terrified the year before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and obviously, Lord is no, Lord is no joke. But you you won that by six seconds and a time that would have been good for six and eight. And um, I everybody will probably remembers the sick tabletop they did on the finish finish line jump <laughs> because obviously it's not enough to win by six seconds. You, you need to like putting more style on the finish than any other rider, male or female, out there. <laughs> that was pretty impressive. Let, let me tell you that everybody remembers that. Cammy yeah. was like, oh, who's this? <laughs> she, remembers, she remembers the table. She was like getting sick of me, showing her that. She was like, who's this? Yeah, That's you know. So and then, um, yeah. So tell us a bit about how you found Lords, because it's a tough track, an European track, like the dirt is not like at home, like, and everyone mm. struggled because it was like tough this week. So tell us about Lords and how it was first World Cup of this year for you. Yeah, first World Cup of the season last year. Um, yeah, I wasn't really going on with any expectation, but I definitely trained really hard. Like I was aiming for first, obviously. Um, and yeah, no, the track, that track is honestly terrifying. I'd say the most, the scariest one of them all. <laughs> Just because when it rains, mm. yeah, yeah, the dirt turns. The wall. To yeah that no <laughs> I'm not a big fan <laughs> not a big fan of that for sure but um yeah it was insane I didn't even like it didn't even hit me that I won until like a week later I was like oh my god I actually did that but yeah it was crazy it was awesome yeah I can remember Lord as well actually because I was up there for my warm-up and I know your mechanic Lewis and yeah. obviously I, mean, I know you and I I was just starting to set stuff up with my mechanic and you and Lewis were to my left and I didn't know who you were at the time, but I, I knew him. And then Emma, you were there. And I remember Lewis coming back over, just like jumping around, so happy that you'd won. Um, yeah. I'd forgotten about that until let me just jog my memory there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, you won again in round two of Fort William. Um, are you, have you been to Fort William in the first year? On, was it your no. first Fort William? That was my first time, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. How did you like the track there? Because I remember the first time I came to Fort William, I was like, what is that? Yeah. I was like, oh my, it's so physical. Like, I could barely hold on in the jumps. Like, it was terrifying. I don't know how I won. Uh, like, Phoebe had a crash. She should have won. But yeah, I don't know. It was kind of a fluke. That must have been a buzz, though, to beat the local girl. Yeah, I felt pretty bad. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, she should have won, but oh well. Well, that's racing. That happens. Yeah, I think you were pretty consistent, like third in Leo Gang in the rain, um, and you won again in Lenzerheide. I think um, you showed everyone that Lenzerheide is kind of a track that suits you this year as well. So how comfortable you um you were in the women's um, elite. Um, I think all these results, like being so consistent, even if you said like some of the races were maybe not like Lords, maybe wasn't a track that you particularly like, still winning, like must have given you incredible confidence for your career. Yeah, yeah, totally. I like, I never expect to win, but then it just happens and it's, yeah, well, obviously engineer. But yeah, that's no, pretty cool. Yeah. 
the fact that it was so consistent, you know, like you were just like, even if you had, maybe you could see make it third place in Leo Gang, maybe you struggle a little bit that week, but you still got third, you know, like, so it was like so consistent. You were like, okay, like even if I mess up a little bit, I can still be top three. So that that's different than just like fighting to get third, you know? Yeah, exactly. That my confidence definitely went up last year. And then, yeah, it's pretty crazy, actually. I crashed in Leo Gang in my finals, but. I still made it on the podium. Oh, you crashed in finals and you got third. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See, well, I guess it was really muddy and like you could crash and still get a decent result because obviously, like I always compare because you raced against Jenna last year. She threw up in a helmet in a race when I got second. I know. So like crazy things happens in the the, the junior race for Mm -hmm. sure. Jack, did you want to add something to it? I was just going to ask, were you spending any time during that second year of junior looking at the elite women's times and were you were you aiming to be competitive in that category as well, if that makes sense? Or or was that not your focus? Were you just focusing on the junior women? Well, I was obviously focusing on the junior, but yeah, I'd always take a look at the elite. And yeah, some races were pretty close. Well, Lords was the closest. Yeah, I was pretty impressed by myself. I was like, wow, that's cool. But um, yeah, no, definitely looking at the elites too. Yes, yeah, so that gave you nice confidence coming into this year. Mm-hmm. So, um, George put um, all the results from your last junior year on the on the script there. So it's like Lords first, Fort William first, Leogan third, Lanzahide first, Valnut second, Snowshoe first, Montanen third, and Valdisoli first. So that's, you can see how consistent you were. It's like yeah. not much there, and I I know for a fact it wasn't maybe all smooth for you, but um. Without going into them all, like which was um, your best performance you think of out of like your last year? Yeah, um, I'd honestly say Lords was pretty good, um, and then probably about the saw as well. Yeah, I had a good run about the saw. You can win the first race of the season and then the last race of the season. That's a pretty <laughs> pretty good way to go, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I was sick. Um, favorite track of of these. I think Lenser High definitely favorite, yeah, for sure. I knew yeah. that. What is it you like <laughs> the, about Lenser High? The jumps, the, the, the jump, the jumps in the middle where she can hit the big lip and make me scream because she's done the biggest wave I've ever seen. Maybe that's <laughs> why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like I don't find it scary at all. It's just really fun to ride, and mm. yeah, yeah, I really like it. Lots of jumps. Yeah, actually, off camera bit at the top is terrifying. That's always a scary part, but um, other than that, so I like it. Okay, so you won the overall pretty convincingly. Um, you had four hundred forty mm-hmm. points, and Phoebe got three hundred fifty something in second. Um, yeah. Did you win the overall before the end? Was it? Were you already safe or? No, I wasn't safe till the last race, and then Phoebe had a crash in qualies, and then at the top of my race run, she didn't show up, and then me and Lewis were like, "Oh, well, I guess I just won the overall," and then. <laughs> Yeah, then I mm. dropped in. So yeah. Oh yeah, that's 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 a weird um position to be in. Like last year when yeah. um Amory didn't know if she wouldn't won or not for one point and then Finn didn't start. So he was like, Oh, I guess that won. And then he crashed in his run. But you you still won the race, so I guess you yeah. must have dealt with that pretty pretty easily, eh? Yeah, I didn't think about it too much. Would you say you're strong, like mentally? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty strong. I try to not stress <laughs> in this tough one and uh, yeah, not think about the pressure of anything. Mm. 
yeah, it works out. Okay, so this is where my next question is going, like world champs in Leger. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, from your result, you're probably the favorite or one of the favorite. Um, did you feel additional pressure with like coming with world champs? Not totally. No. Yeah, no, I'd say no. I was just going to have fun. But I did have, that was like my first World Cup, like with my Red Bull helmet and everything. And I was like a little stressed, a little more stressful, but I got used to it. Yeah. So you see the third and then finish second behind um, Jenna. But then obviously there's Isabella crashed and um, yeah. something happened to Phoebe as well. So there's a lot of time to third where um, Valentina from Colombia got third. Um, yeah. How did you come away from that race? Like, were you happy with silver or I guess it's a pretty good achievement, but I guess from your season, maybe one of the stripes. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I left the finish crowd crying. <laughs> I was, I was pretty sad. Yeah. I like didn't have the best run, and, but it was all right. Jenna deserved it. She was killing it all year. So it was great for her. And did, did that motivate you? Um, yeah, definitely. Well, I was kind of just I was motivated the whole time. I was it was got it kind of got me down a little bit, but then it's okay. Fresh start. Let's go again. So yeah, just kind of forgot about that one. But in the off season, when you were training, was that the motivation or mm, like world champs? Yeah. Um. No, not really. Just kind of to be consistent and have fun. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. So you. Midway through, you, you mentioned it a few minutes ago, this, this Red Bull helmet. Midway through 2022, you, you received it from Brandon Seminok. That's a pretty big moment. Did, did you have any idea it was coming? Um, yeah, I did a little bit. Um, like, do you know, I don't know if you guys know Nick Genovese, but he's from Mindspark Cinema. Um, he was like texting me, okay, can I follow you around all day? I just want to, yeah, I want to follow you around my camera. I was like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> and then my whole family showed up that day as well. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> and then when I was going out for whip off, G after <laughs> he was like, hey, Gracie, just letting you know, you're going to have a good day today. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know what's happening. <laughs> so, yeah. I knew, but it was definitely, I was still so shocked. I don't, I, yeah, I didn't really have a reaction. I was just mind blown. <laughs> didn't actually, yeah, it was crazy. There's a SRAM video, the the one, probably the one you've just mentioned, Nick Genovese's yeah. shot, I presume. So I watched that this morning. It's called Steps to the Top. And you were presenting with that helmet. But, and that was a lovely moment. But what stood out for me was, was your whips. I think mm. Emmy's mentioned them already. I, I was watching it and I genuinely said, fucking hell. When I saw you do this the first time, I, well, I've seen you doing them at, in practice at the races and stuff, but I was like, wow, I've got to be careful how I phrase this. Emmy might shoot me down here because yeah. uh, I've, be, I've got to be very careful. If Emmy doesn't, my wife will probably from the other room, but it's not like you're good for a girl. There's none of that, is it? <laughs> you are genuinely yeah. legit good at it. Is it something you practice a lot? Um, I don't know. I just kind of, I would just always follow the boys at the bike park and they'd be doing it. So I kind of just like caught along and started doing it too. So yeah, I just grew up kind of whipping. So how old would you say you were where you could like, when you could start whipping fair, you know, well, 10, 12? Um, I'd say like 12 or 13. Wow. Or maybe a little older, but yeah. We'll accept that. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it too late for me, Jack? Is it too late for me to learn? Oh, it's too late for you, George. Not with a granite school. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Brandon presenting you with that helmet. Do you ride with him a lot? Because he's a bit, you said he, you know, he was the hero growing up. Mm. He's a bit of an enigma to us over here because he's just, just an incredible bike rider. Yeah. But he, you don't hear him on podcasts. He's not a big social guy. I mean, when I say the social guy, he, he doesn't do any selfie type stuff, you know, or, or vlogging or anything like that. He might, he posts the, the videos, the amazing videos he does. So you can't find out that much about him out of, outside of competition and, and the videos he produces. Are you good friends? Mm-hmm. No, not really. He's very, uh, <laughs> yeah, no one on the coast seems to know what he's up to. He's always busy doing something, but yeah, I probably don't know any more than you do about him. Right, so. okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought from that video, it seemed like he knew you pretty well when he was giving you the helmet yeah. and stuff. Well, I grew up like riding with him at the bike park and stuff. But yeah. Yeah, that's about it. And tell me what what's that like as an experience riding with Brandon Seminole? Oh, yeah, it was really cool. I was, yeah, I'm even still intimidated by him, but it was very <laughs> intimidating. <laughs> I would always be scared to like go up like next to him on the shuttle or whatever. But yeah, he's an awesome dude and super nice. Yeah. yeah. Has he taught you stuff? Um, Not really. I just rode with him lots at the bike park. He would always follow me and yeah, give me tips yeah. and stuff. But yeah, very sick. Is there anybody t- like, who did you learn from? I just say like the boys that I'd party lap with basically I didn't really have I didn't yeah I didn't I haven't had any coaching at all ever but yeah it just be bike park laps yeah it's kind of indirect coaching isn't it when you're always riding with people who are, are good at faster yeah emulate what they're doing and learn from it it's especially when you're a young person because you can just absorb it all and mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah totally Definitely not a bad environment to, to grow up learning, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. So at the end of 2022, uh, Norco announced that they were pausing their factory team, which I think was a surprise to a lot of people, definitely a surprise to me when I saw that come out. Um, yeah, me too. Well, that, that's our question. So they only then went and unpaused it a few weeks later. Um, was that kind of a little bit of a traumatic couple of weeks for you? Did they give you any assurances that you were still going to be supported or was it an unknown time period for you? Uh, it's pretty unknown, but, um, yeah, I knew the week before it went on pink bike. Like it was, it was bad actually. Yeah. Not good. Um, but yeah, I had other like opportunities, but then I don't know. I just kind of did then like a a week later, like new management and everything came in. And then, yeah, it was just, I kind of hit the restart button and everything like just was better from the year before and then like all right and then i just felt comfortable with the team and yeah just resigned it was almost internal changes at norco that meant they decided to reignite the team once they yeah. got settled okay that's interesting. totally yeah good so into 2023 uh, you went and won the test event at lords um did that give you a good boost going into the season uh not really to be honest we were all just really scared of the track and just trying to get down but um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It was all right. Yeah, okay. Was, yeah, the track was terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> I thought right. I was going to die. Yeah, good. yeah, I can agree with that. Lords in the yeah. wet, uh, very unpredictable, and there's not really a tyre that will do the job. So, no. yeah, for sure. Okay, so World Cup started, and in Lenza Hyde, you got faster through the week. You qualified 11th, 3.29.3, fourth in the semi, 3.13.7, and then sixth in the final. But again, it was a faster time. You were only 0.4 off the podium. It's solid progress. Were you happy with your weekend? 
yeah, I was really happy. I was, and seeing Rachel win, I was like most insane thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it was. I was really happy about it. Yeah. Tell us a bit about lining up against Rachel Atherton. It was insane. Like she's like I've looked up to her like my whole childhood. Be like, oh man, I want to be like her one day. And then seeing her there, racing, yeah, racing against her was yeah surreal. Because <laughs> I imagine you never thought that day had happened. Because she, you know, no, never. Yeah, she, I mean, she, she, almost, she could almost be retired, you know. She went away for a good while. I I, nobody knew she was definitely going to come back. No, yeah. Amazing that she did. That's so impressive, yeah. Definitely. So then on to Liu Yang. Again, qualified 15th, 8th in the semi, and 7th in the final. Um, mm-hmm. Under a second off the podium. So more good consistency and getting faster throughout the weekend. Valdesol qualified 6th, 3rd in the semi. Seventh in the final, getting faster each run. Does Emmy? Did you say earlier? Did you crash in your finals run? Yeah, I did. So, so what's the feeling now that you know? Moving out coming- the front door, <laughs> it was a big crash. <laughs> it was a big run. Yeah. Um, no, I was like having pretty much the best run of my life. I think I probably would have gotten second, but yeah. yeah, no, I was so. Yeah, I'm still pretty mad about that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I know the podium and everything's it's coming. I'm just gotta be patient. Yeah. Why did the crash happen? Um, I don't know. I got like I almost crashed in the corner before it because I was like trying to not use my brakes, and then yeah, almost slid the front, and then I think I just went too inside, right, like by the tree, and then just caught a root, and then went over the bars. Okay. Yeah. So, do you feel you were kind of pushing harder than you should have done to try and hunt that podium, or was it was it just one of those things? It was just one of those things. I was feeling so good, and like, I wasn't feeling out of my comfort zone at all. I was like. Especially nice. the right amount. No, it was a good feeling. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So we've seen, you know, you, you're pretty good at the semis, getting good semi-final results. Are, are you a fan of that format? I actually like it. Yeah. It like, it kind of takes me a bit to get up to pace in general. And then, you know, just kind of gives you kind of like a second chance almost, but not really. Yeah. yeah. A bit more information on the way to the finals run, I guess. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. Are you looking forward to going back to the, the old format? At Worlds with seeding and then just the one race run, or would you rather the semis in there, or do you not care? I don't really care. It's like it's what it is. But I was going to yeah, say, I get, <laughs> I get the feeling you're just ready to race your bike and yeah, or whatever yeah, it is. Do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like totally. It. So currently sitting seventh in the overall, yet to achieve mm-hmm. that first podium. Clearly, as you just said, it's on the cards very soon, anytime soon. What are the aspirations for the rest of the season? What can you share with us? What? Yeah, I want to, yeah, something like kind of clicked in the soul of my riding. I just like, I felt so good. I don't know why, but um, yeah, I just want to keep that pace going and try and get a top top five overall. But that's the goal anyway, but we'll see what happens. Well, I, I think that's very achievable for sure from what we've mm-hmm. been. Gracie, are you going to try to do something about the first split? Yeah, <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, Gracie's get like have a tendency to like start in a race quite like chill. So like she's she's a chill. Yeah, no, not slow. <laughs> but she's just quite quite a chilled and laid back person. And so that's how she started to run and then started getting faster. But yeah, definitely, if you can approve on this yeah. first split, that people need to get scared. Need to be scared because you're gonna yeah. you're gonna get some results for sure. Yeah, need to work on it. I was just about to say, like you, you talking to you this evening, you do seem like an extremely relaxed person. Do you feel yeah. like do you feel like you almost 
are quite relaxed leading up to the run and it takes you that first sector to to go oh yeah we're going now yeah yeah i'd say that's about correct um and yeah my semi-final i like was the gnarliest run i tried to like push right off the start and then almost crashed so hard <laughs> i was like oh man i don't really yeah i don't know what to do about it but so you almost like yeah you're like finding your rhythm in the run and then you're like oh there it is whereas with yeah. the semi-final you tried to force the issue and push mm-hmm. it all the line. interesting maybe you should try and ride with tani tani's the queen of the first sector yeah <laughs> maybe True. she'll drag you along <laughs> yeah okay. maybe i can keep that <laughs> yeah and then it's hardline this weekend um you know given you're a red bull athlete and as we've talked about quite a lot um jumping is definitely your your forte is is it an event like hardline something that you kind of like the look of for the future for yourself totally yeah i uh, got asked if i want to do it this year but i don't know we had some testing and stuff and I don't know. I don't know if I'm like quite ready for it. <laughs> I'd rather just, I don't know, be prepared somehow and make it, I don't know, safer for myself. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty gnarly. We don't want to get destroyed. <laughs> yeah. So we've, we've just been talking in part one of the podcast about um, this new breed of, of downhill racers who are coming through. You've got Jackson and Jordan in, in the, in the men's elite field and how, um, they just ride their bikes a lot. They don't do as much gym mm-hmm. work, perhaps, as some of the more established riders. How are you in that same school? Mm, this last winter, I was in the gym about like eighty <laughs> percent. I was wow. not really like, yeah, I was not really riding my bike very much, just because it was like all fully snowy for like two months, and then yeah, yeah, the team didn't go anywhere, and then yeah, I was just. And I jumped like two hours a day. <laughs> give, so. give, given where you're from, do you do any snowboarding, skiing? Are you into that kind of thing? Surprisingly, not at all. I skied once last year and I was on the ground for most of the day. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, definitely, it's definitely not my forte. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thanks yeah. for making the time to come on the podcast. We'll let you get back to, uh, set, well, getting this bike set up. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to know you and best of luck for the rest of the season if i can get a, a media pass for worlds um need to give a mention to suzanne lens at the uci um maybe you can sort <laughs> that out for me suzanne uh, i'll maybe drop by and see how you're getting on um if Perfect. that's okay yeah, yeah cool. amazing excellent we'll be back with more after these messages my name is amory pion and i asked Shelby to develop the best donald tire ever amory asks us for something that offers an edge over Magic Mary. We are all looking for something new, I guess. We needed something for more precision. So from that, we just worked all together to, to make it happen. Being fair, actually, the team started the development. Maxime, he started to cut down a big betty and try to get it into shape to make it work. The grip is just perfect. The Takichan just gives you the best precision you, you need. It just gives you a lot of braking traction, safety, and corner hold. It's like riding on rails. So if you're an active rider, it's super rewarding. If you're a passive rider, it's still a fantastic time. If you're enjoying the Making Up the Numbers podcast, hit subscribe now so you don't miss an episode and drop us a review whenever it's convenient. For additional content, follow us on Instagram at Making Up the Numbers Racing. Choose single track. 
Choose print. Choose digital. Choose an independent mountain bike magazine. Choose mountain bike culture. Choose adventure and mishap. Choose great stories and glorious photography. Choose ad-free access to our website. Choose time out with a mug of tea. Choose an annual subscription. Choose a monthly subscription. Choose discounts in our shop on a range of ethical products. Choose bobble hats. Choose hip flasks. Choose gift subscriptions for your friends. Choose single track salvation for your arse. Choose a username. Choose a community. Choose to support independent publishing. Choose your future and our future. Choose single track. So, before we get into Hardline and Worlds, um, the one bit I wanted to ask you about Valdi Sol that we didn't get time to before we, we spoke to Grace, it was mm. um, the drone shots a lot better in Valdi Sol, but are they off-putting for the riders? It, is it Sometimes with cameras, it looks like you're closer than you actually are. Is it something anyone commented about? I'll let you know when I do a finals, George. <laughs> <laughs> they don't drone in the semi. Cam, Cam didn't say anything. Right, like, maybe. Valdisol was closer. It couldn't be n- much further than Leo Gang. It was, like, no. literally <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> but but um, Valdisol, no, I don't think she noticed it. Like, no. but Cam doesn't really notice when someone, like... Yeah, you shouldn't be um, noticed. Sure. Someone familiar, well, I, I do all the time. Like, Bernard, Bernard was telling me how he, like, heard Elliot in his finals run. Elliot was, like, on the side of the track, and he was like, oh, <laughs> but he was where nobody was. But yeah, some people notice more than others. And the most distinctive voice around as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably. But yeah, I don't think I've like I haven't heard about people oh. being like annoyed by it. Something that actually from Valdasar, we touched on the commentary, didn't we? Um, yeah. In Lenside and Leo Gang. Yeah. I, from from a personal perspective, have to give obviously a big shout out to Rick and Cedric on their improvements. When they commented on myself, <laughs> they were very nice. Um, to the point where Cedric said I was, I looked thin, but incredibly strong athlete, he said. And then they referenced me to Giathan. Now, if that isn't a massive compliment, yeah. I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, from my side of things, well done, boys. Keep going. Like you <laughs> You're their biggest fans now. Yeah. But I wonder. Why though? Because like they also talk a lot about the pivot bike and everything. Like they're like complimenting and the, the bike and Bernard and whatever. And oh, yeah, yeah. I have my moment. <laughs> yeah, no, no, like, no. But I, I was like, oh wow, they t- they saying a lot of good things about this pivot bike. That's uh, nice, you know. Like they did not shy about expressing about like certain people or no. bikes, which That's I found cool. quite surprising. They'd be nice, and nice is nice. Whereas previous years, certain people have not been nice. And what was it like a monkey? Hum- like a monkey? Hum- no, I don't mind that. That's funny, and I deserve that. Like right. that was in 2011, and I definitely deserves everything Rob said that day. It's more like, um, like Claudia always. Used, it's always like just like wh- why are they trying so hard? Why are they pedaling so hard? Da, da, da. It's like what are you on about? Yeah, pretty negative. Eh? About? Yeah. yeah we, Cedric actually said something like that in um, Blenside. I think it was Lenside when me and Dan did our semis about, you know, what, what, you know, they're pushing so hard from the gate in like a negative way. And it's like, well, of course we mm. are it's a three minute race run. Yeah. yeah. And you try your best to get, yeah. yeah. So, but no, I thought personally, I thought much better. <laughs> so as we mentioned, when we were chatting to Gracie, it's hard line this weekend. First question. Are you excited for it? Not at all. Won't watch it. I am. 
I almost forgot it was on, but yeah, now, now, <laughs> um, no, I'm excited for it. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing on or oh, there's Canadian, Canadian champ and Jacob and Dane Jewett are racing. So I'll follow that as well. But yeah, for sure. Excited to see the girls riding. Yeah. Well, that, that, I'm concerned I just remembered like, it might have been when we had Bernard on, or, or last. Maybe it was at the end of last season. And I said to you, "I haven't." We were talking about Hardline. I said, "I haven't watched the final yet, but I will go and watch it." And I realised today, I never went back and watched the final of Hardline. I don't know why it, it just it doesn't seem to excite me. I'm not interested. Uh, and, and the reason, the way I was thinking about it is, you know, Tyson Fury. You know, the boxer. He announced a. I don't know if you'll. Do you know Tyson yeah. Fury? I mean, yeah. He announced a fight this week against a guy who was in the UFC and it, mm. it's interesting to people who aren't that into boxing as to what's going to happen in this fight. But if you're into racing, I felt that hardline's a bit the same way. Like the best riders aren't there. Yeah. I'm a fan of racing me. kind of. It's a bit like, well, let's see why these riders hit 90 foot gaps and things like that and see what happens. I feel like to me, it's almost more the process to get to the race and it's almost more interesting. Yeah. Um, of course, I, I'm diehard fan yeah. of any like sporting event in general. So I think it's pretty cool to watch. And I know it's very important to Bernard, who is my friend and teammate. So obviously I yeah. like root for him. But obviously, if he wasn't racing, maybe I wouldn't be that interested, you know? But obviously yeah. now with like the um, female riders trying to like at least hit stuff and, and everything yeah. and all the coverage, it, it makes it also interesting. It's quite something different, but, um, yeah. I would understand if you wouldn't be into it. But obviously, a lot of people that I like or friends are there. Yeah. I'm not sure if, if like mid season just before worlds is, is the right place for it. The only rider in the top 10 standings who might be there is Laurie. But with Worlds in Fort William, where he won a few weeks ago at the National, would you risk it if you were him? I know he's a Red Bull athlete, but would you risk it? You wouldn't think so. No. Depends if he sees it as a risk, though. That's the thing. If he's comfortable with the track and it's not windy and <laughs> all the day, like, he might not <laughs> and his eyes are like, like, <laughs> like wide open. <laughs> Does he see it as a risk? <laughs> but I don't know, for, to some people, Harland is almost more important than Worlds. Like, at least for someone yeah. like Bernard, he 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 sees value in that that yeah. maybe other people don't see, and I I respect that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely, maybe a, another day would be better. But I guess they tried to like make it in the summer to for the weather to be better. I don't think it really succeeded so far, no. but. Um, yeah, no, with, maybe one of the reasons why. Yeah, with the season finishing so late, it's probably October's. Mm. No, it's going to be like nearly November by the time they'd be able to get round mm -hmm. to it. Probably, Jack. I've probably asked you this before, but I can't remember the answer. Would you race it if you were invited? Yeah, you have asked me, and my answer is now no. And I asked you if I could go, and I think it was 2016, and you didn't get me an invite. So, but you would have done it then. Yeah, I would have done it 2016, 17 when I was in my mid to late 20s and I was having my better seasons, absolutely. But I wasn't cool enough to join the, the party, so. You've just been talking about it, Emmy. There's a strong female contingent of riders there. Jess Blewett, I think, is there. I've already seen Tarney jump in the cannon, which is pretty impressive. I think Louise Ferguson might be there as well. How long do you think it'll be before we see a woman taking part in Hardline, in the race? Oh, it really depends also on the weather and the way they can prepare for it. If they had a great week, not much wind, then they can practice like full runs. I don't see why they can't do it. Obviously, 
the role gap hasn't been jumped by any female yet. I think um, it's probably the most intimidating feature with the two big doubles because obviously of the, I don't know, I always thought maybe we always thought we always wonder why it would be so hard, but I guess the cannon is quite a hard impact and the girls made it like no problem. So you would be surprised that I think it's more the time that you have and the fact that you have to mentally like overcome fear so much. Yeah. Like if you come back another year, then you have this ticked off, this ticked off, and it would just like take a little bit more time and you don't want to like rush it as well. But yeah. Definitely, Hardland has come far also for the, the first time the boys raced it until now. So it would take a little bit of time, but I wouldn't be surprised it would be like next year or, or, or soon at least. On that video Tani posted, the run into the cannon and didn't look that, that great. She was kind of hopping, I think. You think you come around a corner, you, it looked pretty Oh yeah, rough. it was just wet. It's just wet and rough. Like, yeah. So it's not, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a highway. It's just definitely hard to generate speed, but, um, it's cool to see Bernard try to like help the ladies out. And he's always been like this with me and, and, and also try to like make progression for the ladies also happen, which you can criticate him on a lot of stuff, but I think it's pretty cool that he's doing that. Maybe you should go. Me? <laughs> Film, you mean? Film, filming with my phone, you mean? <laughs> Bernard's, Bernard's won it three times. I think he's three times before. He clearly loves it. You've just said, you know, how how much he values it. Have you spoken with him this week? I never speak to him on hard lane week. It's just, it's just not some, no. He's just in his in the zone and he's just in there. And um, I'll I'll send him comment on his stuff. But no, he's just, he's in his little world. Yeah, cool. Well, I think we're going to get another show in before World Champs in Fort William, but just in case we don't, let's end the show with some chat and some predictions. Junior men and women, Lisa Bouladou won the national there in May with a 5.21, which is a very fast time for a junior woman. Would you make her the favourite or would you go Sasha Ernest or Arise Van Lumen? Well, Lisa has been there, so that's a huge advantage. But then Gracie hasn't been there and she won it. The first time she's been there. So, you know, if you have the talent, um, you can definitely do it. But I'll definitely either Sasha or Lisa. Reese, um style might be maybe a little bit too aggressive on such a long track. I could be wrong, but I know myself I had to like adapt my riding style and be a bit more like efficient and economical on the bike to make it the whole way. Yeah. So we'll see, but definitely... And Valentina, the Colombian rider, she's also Rosa Sanchez, yeah. fast and she's been there before and she wants it so hard because she got third last year. So she could pull one off, you never know. Yeah. And these four are like a little bit better than the rest of them. Yeah. But um, I'll say maybe Sasha or Lisa have a little bit of an edge. Okay. And in junior men, Henry Kiefer took the win at the national with a 4.36. Again, a very fast time. Who would you? Who's your money on, Jack? Or is it too hard? Yeah, it's any of those top boys, isn't it? They've been shuffling around. Um, yeah, and yeah, I, I don't follow that category as, as in as enough detail to to properly kind of bet on one. Um, it would be nice to see one of the British guys on the podium. That's for yeah. sure. I think performance wise, we we're, we're not looking at a British gold medal in that category. I don't mm. think. Mm-hmm. The Frenchies, the Frenchies have been missing. The, the big the big good run but they have so many contenders 
um, Luca Marini, but Luca Marini was on the podium of national champs, which shows how much yeah. depth they are. Yeah, um, sure. So there's also a few first years that yeah, are definitely. really, really fast. And I wouldn't be surprised if one of the Frenchies just suddenly like comes out of nowhere. Yeah. But Chris Hauser, obviously, um, for me, is a favorite also because of his size and mm. how strong he is. And yeah. he, if he keeps it like 95, he can probably win it, you know, because I think he's for sure raw speed the fastest out there. But maybe my Canadian boys, we'll see. <laughs> maybe <laughs> make, make it. Ryan, Ryan had, yeah, Ryan. Um, was second in Lanzahar before he crashed into the tree. So he's also kind of like a big guy, you know. So if he gets his knuckled, because he has a broken knuckle, if he gets his knuckle like in shape before, he could he could maybe be close to a podium. Who's, who knows? You know, there's a lot of contenders out there, so that's pretty cool to see. Elite women, I've put four names down here: Rachel, Valley, Cami, and Nina. Can you see anyone outside those four? Well, Gracie just told us that she Gracie felt- Hamstreet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> told us that all she felt like she'd have got second if she hadn't had that crash. So she's clearly feeling like it's clicked. So yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta go with one of the Annie. Maybe. I mean, if Tani feels confident enough to go to Harline, which I was like yeah. mind blown off, um, she's, I know how well she wants to do there. She can have the same mentality there. Hopefully, same problem as Rachel, maybe fitness to her standards, obviously. Yeah. You know, because she's always been a very fit rider and Rachel was like out of this world fit back then when she was running. I don't know. Maybe Tani can also be a contender. Yeah. I mean, she said on the last episode, didn't she, that that was the the dream, the, the Fort William mm. world uh, world champs. I'm guessing Miriam won't be back. No, no. I've talking to her, and yeah, it's still kind of like status quo for now. Yeah. I'm trying to get into exercise and stuff, and try not rush it because every time, sometimes it goes, sometimes it doesn't. But um, she definitely won't be back until she can like properly like perform, which. Yeah. It'll be hard until the end of the season, but we never know because we had uh, we have until October. But yeah, yeah, that's that's sad to see. Yeah, well, very best to Miriam. Does anybody want to do a prediction? Do you want to do a prediction, Jack? The women's, yeah. Oh, I'm 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 seeing I'm seeing Rachel like big as. I don't want to drink anyone. I don't want to anger anyone. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna keep. Yeah, but I don't have one. I genuinely don't have one. Like you, nobody is going to be surprised if Rachel comes out and does well. Nobody, because how long has she been racing Fort William? She will be training for the event. Like, come on, let's be real. Like, I got a kid, and I'm still training loads. Like, so that ain't going to stop mm. her. Um, nobody's going to be surprised if she comes out and does well, and nobody's going to be surprised if the other ones you've listed, Cam Valley. Nina, nobody's going to be surprised if they do well either. So, do you think Rachel retires if she wins it? I think she should. <laughs> the thing is, they've got the haven't they? So it's like, if if she can come out and perform well and get great results, it's great marketing for their bike brand. Yeah. So, why would she not do? So, even if she just dips out, dips in and out of races for the next X amount of years, it's just good marketing. So, it just yeah. makes sense. Whereas, if you ask me the question about whether G should come back, my answer would be no because. Like looking at the men's at the moment, like I've been consistently now the second oldest to 
to be in the semi-final. There's Minar Olber and then there's me, Brayton, Blinky and Remy Tyrion and that kind of rage rider all there. And if G came back, he'd be older than us and how long has he been out of touch with it now? Whereas for Rachel, it's a little different. Like, yeah. she's proved she can come back and just be in the mix. So why would she not? So, Elite Men, I've put some names down. Yeah. Loic Loris, Jordan Jackson, and then Laurie, who won the National with that 425. Tebow, Charlie Hatton. I genuinely think Jordan's going to win. Like, mm. I genuinely think he's going to win. I know how much he wants it. I know he rides that track well. He had great pace at the national there until he punctured. Um, yeah, I, that that's where I'd put my money. Obviously, there's a large number of riders that can do it, but I think if he has a good one on the day, I think he's 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 going to be going to be the man to beat. Okay. Maybe I mean- Tebow. I don't know. I feel like I've never seen Tebow de Prada in any prediction I've ever did. But I don't know. Like I feel like like you said, maybe Andorra. But I think maybe if Jordan doesn't do it, maybe Tebow will. Because I remember like uh, seeing them both, Amory and him, riding last year, and I was like, "What the hell?" The different, like they were on different speed. Oh yeah, yeah. Great. Well paced, didn't he? Like so, if he keeps it together, it could be close. 100%. Yeah, it is. It is that type of race where if he can hold it together for one run, yeah, he could win it. I'm going to curse Danny Hart. No, poor Danny. <laughs> poor Danny. I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling. Danny Hart. And I'll be, I'll be stoked though if that happens. No, I, I really would. To be fair, like, and it, how how ironic would it be? Like, that's what I think. Back in the peak of his career, he could just never quite wrap it up at Fort William. Imagine yeah. if he doesn't now. Pete, he did it out in Canberra. Mm-hmm. Different, Danny. different era though. Different era, and also Danny he didn't even have knee pads on. Danny not doing the national. First trip up there, fresh. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. So is Greg still a contender? I was just about to say a minute ago, imagine if Greg goes out and fucking wins it. <laughs> never been won on a mullet. <laughs> Fort William's still never been won on a mullet. Really? Yeah, because Amory, Amory yeah, mean? the men's, yeah, yeah. Amory mm. won on a full 29 mm. last year. Most of them do switch over to full 29, to be fair. So before Worlds, we've got UK national champs. Are you racing, Jack? I am, definitely, yeah. Um Going to be down there competing myself and uh, obviously helping Owen try and, try and chase that title in the junior category. So, yeah, it's going to be a good weekend. Looking forward to it. Hope we get some good weather. Excellent. Well, I'll see you there. And that's it for another episode. Thanks to the wonderful sponsors of the show, Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalb and SingletrackWorld.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'm sure you know what to do by now. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you've got a sec, please drop us a review. Alternatively, please give us a follow on Instagram at Making Up The Numbers Racing or Facebook.com slash Making Up The Numbers. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon, hopefully before Worlds, possibly at Worlds, but it might be afterwards. This has been the Mammoth Production for Making Up the Numbers.